0: Welcome back to another episode of the Casual Martial Artist with Al and Marcus. So, how's it going today? Pretty good. You? Ah, uh, tired. You know, we were talking a little bit before we started about how you know summer and it's a nice weather. Um, yeah, it's just since it's the busy time of year at my workplace, it's yeah, it gets hectic. So, but we're not here to talk about that though. Actually, this topic might go a little bit into the workplace because we're going to be talking today about the subject of hierarchy. And respect in the martial arts. And there's a couple videos I watched that made me think about this topic. Uh, and again, we were talking before we started recording about them. And uh, the first one was a video that it was a clip from the Joe Rogan experience. And again, I I don't follow his stuff too closely. I'll watch the occasional clip if he's talking about martial arts Usually if he's talking about martial art, non-martial arts related topics, I generally stay away. Um, but, and with martial arts, and again, we were talking a little bit about this before we were recording. My main problem with some of his martial arts related topics is he tends to get more into that mindset that if you study a traditional martial art, you know, karate or kung fu, you're basically wasting your time. And unless you're doing Brazilian jujitsu you know, again, you're, you're wasting your time. And again, you said that you weren't really, you didn't really follow Joe Rogan stuff either. No, not a fan. The other one is a video from another YouTube channel, which I highly recommend called martial arts journey. And we talked to, I think we've mentioned him in a couple episodes here and there, Mm -hmm. but the guy who does it, uh, his name's Rokas. He's originally from Lithuania I'm not sure where he's living now but he practiced aikido for many years and he um you know he's he's talked about topics related to aikido and uh, other martial arts but after a while he start started to move away from aikido to do more mma and one of the he had a video where he was talking about hierarchy and in martial arts and specifically some of the negative aspects from his experience and with that type of mentality in Aikido. Uh, but one of the things I liked about his videos is even when he's criticizing someone or something, he always does it in a way that comes off as being respectful. You know, he's not like some of these people who... I mean, I was mentioning Steven Seagal uh, before we were recording, probably the most famous practitioner of Aikido in the world. and I, And again, I don't know how many... Uh, if you ever catch any videos on YouTube about him. But there's a lot of people that have negative things to say about him. Mm-hmm. I personally don't follow the guy. I've seen a couple of his movies. Um, I don't know On Deadly Ground wasn't a bad movie. Uh, have you ever seen any of his stuff? Or
1: No, I haven't. Um, after Bruce Lee I kind of, and the Dragon story, I kind of dropped off martial arts
0: movies. Yeah, I still like. I mean, I don't really watch a lot of modern martial arts movies. Mm -hmm. You know, that's something we should do sometime. We should like uh, review some like old 70s martial arts kung fu flicks. Uh, I do like watching the occasional kung fu, you know, like 70s, 60s, 70s kung fu fu movie. But Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, I don't get much into the modern martial arts cinema. But anyways, even when he's criticizing something, he always keeps a very civil tone. And that's one of the things I do like about it. So check out Martial Arts Journey if you ever have a chance. Mm-hmm. But uh, those two things were what inspired me to talk about this topic of respect and hierarchy. Now with uh, the 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 Joe Rogan uh, clip that I caught, he was talking about how martial arts is, some martial arts are almost like a cult. And he was referring back to his, because his, uh, he has a background in Taekwondo, And he was saying that, you know, back when, you know, he's seen some Taekwondo schools where, you know, okay, everyone's lining up in their uniforms by rank and it's, you know, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, sensei, no, sensei. And, uh, okay, well, if that's like a cult to you, uh, I think, I think Joe might not really understand truly what a cult is. Right. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, but yeah, he, so he felt that, again, it was more like a cult and he didn't really get that. And that's fine, to teach their own opinion, I guess. But uh, again, with Rokas, he was mentioning that um, he felt that sometimes it can be harmful. He was bringing up a some experiences he had, like one where he went to a, an Aikido seminar, you know, where there were people from different schools, you know, varying ranks. And this was when he was still fairly low level. And he was talking about how there were, um, there were like higher level students there that when he, they were looking, you know, they were partnering up to work on stuff. He felt like they treated him almost, they treated him worse because he was a lower rank. It's almost like, you know, I don't, I don't want to practice with someone who I don't know what rank he was at the time, but it's like, you know, he's offering a workout with a black belt. He's like, I don't want to spar with a little blue belt or or something like that. And right. um, and he was also mentioning another one. This I think this one was when he was with higher rank. And after the seminar, they went to you know him and his students and some of the other people were there. Went out to uh, a cafe to get some you know to get some food, and they were criticizing him because he was hanging out with his students. So it was almost like he was expected to treat himself above his students. Like even outside of the dojo, he was expected to maintain some degree of aloofness. So right. what are some of your thoughts on, have you ever encountered anything like that in your martial arts background and training?
1: Yeah. in the Taekwondo school I went to, um, you know, you had some weird things like that happen. Um, I followed along. I mean, what else could I have done? I was 13. So there wasn't, you know, much I could say about it, but you know, just the, and it, it wasn't too, too bad, except it tended, like I talked about before, tended to get kind of clicky sometimes. So it's like, if a higher belt belongs to such and such click and they don't like you, or they've kind of ostracized you somehow, um, you know, it can make things uncomfortable. And, you know, you, that's where the instructor has to kind of, you know, guide things to a different, in a different way, so those things don't happen. But you know, mine didn't have the, the agency to be able to do that for
0: us. For me, the only time I really ever had much of a problem with an instructor where I think they were maybe, letting their rank get to their head. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, actually, two cases. Uh, the first one was by when I started Tang Soo Do, and again, I respect the guy who, because uh, it was a first martial arts. I ever I ever studied. The only thing I had problem I had with that is, and I told this story before how when he found out that I was teaching that I was taking a screamer classes as well, and he didn't really like that, and he was um he was like, hey, you know, you should have asked me about that, and it's like, well, okay, no one no one told me that I have to get your permission to take exactly. another martial art, so that. Again, respect the guy, but still that was a kind of left a bit of a bad taste in my mouth. And the other one I was talking about, the second guy I studied Kung Fu under. This was after my first Kung Fu instructor had moved out of the area And one of his more senior students, you know, was was uh, teaching classes. And again, I've told this story how they were a bit clicky. This is the one who... Would stand you up? Yeah, there'd be times where I'd show up 10 minutes before class started. I'd wait around until class should have started 30 minutes ago and no one ever showed up. And since no one else was showing up, obviously he wasn't troubling himself with telling me that, you know, hey, there's no class tonight. So those those are really the only places I've had any problems. Now, I know you said you did boxing for a while. There's mm-hmm. probably did you ever experience much of that in boxing? I mean, I know there's not as much of a hierarchy in boxing because they don't really have a ranking system.
1: Right. The hierarchy depends on your abilities. And even then, if you go in, if you have really, uh, you know, if you've got a lot of ability and you go in acting like a D bag, you're going to get a bad name. No one's going to work with you. No one's going to want to spar with you. And then you can't train. So your abilities are going to erode anyway. So, you know, you kind of have to go in there with some respect because some, you know, if you don't, you know, it'll be earned one way or another. And I don't know, it just seemed like uh, and it shouldn't have to be that way because, you know, it's in a weird way, you're being threatened with violence if you don't. Toe the <laughs> line. But I mean, the same thing with the BJJ school. I mean, you know, they rank on ability and, you know, do you think you're hot stuff because you've got a blue belt? Well, there's a purple belt ready to rip you a new one. Do you think, you know, you're, uh, you know, one of the Gracie brothers because you've got a purple belt, there's a brown belt that's willing to choke you out? you know and so on and so forth so you know it shouldn't have to be that way but it can get that way so you know again that the head trainer of the gym he, he's a pretty pretty cool cat or well had his moments but you know he didn't let things like that get out of hand that's that much i can say for him
0: yeah and, and see that's something i've heard about a lot of people in uh who do bjj is that yeah mm-hmm. I, I understand that uh usually in uh, brazilian jiu-jitsu it is more based on rank, on skill as opposed to seniority so mm-hmm. you might have someone who's been there um you know for you know maybe training there for 3 4 years and they would still be they would still be expected to be you know more respectful of someone who maybe hasn't been there as long but uh has greater ability with them but yeah i've also heard that a lot outside of the dojo and outside of class a lot of uh brazilian jiu-jitsu Jiu jitsu practitioners are actually pretty laid back and pretty chilled people. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're the kind of, and again, I don't know if this is just the ones I've met and heard about or if it's uh, true, but they're the kind of people that, yeah, they'll get on the mat, they'll kick your butt, they'll choke you out, but then they'll go out and have a beer with you afterwards like nothing happened.
1: <laughs> right. And probably 95% of the ones I met are exactly like that.
0: When I did the uh, Escrima, since that was pretty informal anyway, there wasn't as much of the a respect issue. I mean, of course, you still always showed your respects to the, um, you know, to the instructor. But it was mm-hmm. a lot more laid back. Where you know, outs, yeah, my instructor and I, okay, we'd practice a Screema, and then a couple days later on the weekend, we'd be playing Dungeons and Dragons together. So, right, um, you know, there was a bit more uh, interaction with us outside of class. But, you know, you had your salutes that we did, like um, in Eskrima, the style I studied, there were three different ones. There was a salute to peers and equals, or peers and juniors. There was one to the instructors and seniors. And then the third salute that you supposedly, that you only, well, at least the way it was always taught to me and an eye in Eskrima, the only person you give that to is the master of the style. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, a lot of the martial arts that I've done, it's, well, Tiger Claw Kung Fu, we had a hand gesture we did that was just called Paying Respects, which again, you did before class, end of class, and also when you were about to work with, out with someone. And other than that, it's usually been just bowing. Now, mm-hmm. when you were doing like Taekwondo and stuff, did they just do bowing before and after class or were they a bit more formal with how you would do it?
1: Uh, a little bit more formal and you had to bow, you know, if you wanted to be excused off the, off the training area. And you had to bow before you were led back on. Otherwise you'd get in trouble. And that, that's one of the many problems I had with that kind, you know, that form of discipline, you know, I don't know that smacks of being treated like a kindergartner and, you know, I wasn't done with it. Like again, I was 13. So I, you know, played the game because I was actually paying a lot of money to be there. But, you know, uh, there's no way I'd ever subject myself to that again. If I found that that was in, in the program in any other school I ever go to, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go there.
0: Yeah, because the, I know in karate, uh, we had you know it was bowing usually when you leave or when you enter the dojo when you when you leave the dojo, mm-hmm. as well as before class and when you're about after class and when you're about to work out with someone. And the reason for the the way my instructor was explained it, well, of course the reason you're bowing before you're. Uh, like if you're going to spar or practice techniques with someone, you know, again, it's showing that respect and also that apologize in ahead of time if you were to accidentally cause any injuries. Mm-hmm. And the whole bowing and when you go into the dojo and when you leave, it was supposed to be first a symbol of respect for the place that you were working out in, and then the other reason is, at least again, as my tank Do instructor described it, is like let's say someone else was was practicing and you know, by bowing, you're apologizing if you accidentally interrupted them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do, again, we do a lot of it in Kung Nu as well, where, you know, bowing when you enter the training area, right. and then um, you know, bowing before, when you're leaving the practice area. Like if you have to go to the bathroom also, when we do weapons, we bow in our weapons, which I know, I think this, this is one of those things where I think it might creep some people out. Because at the start, at, in the, the place where I practice, uh, which I haven't been able to go to, unfortunately, because of overtime the last few months, but there's a picture of the founder of our style in the front of the dojo. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, the way that it, it works there is okay, you bow in to the instructor, you bow in to the, you know, to the grandmaster, and, you know, right. and then, you know, you do that before and start a class. So, I don't know. Personally, it doesn't really bother me. Um, mm-hmm.
1: I guess one of the things that I had objected to was um, you bow to the highest ranked person that was already on the mat. And sometimes that person just to be a jerk would be talking to someone. They couldn't be bothered to look over and, you know, take your bow or whatever, acknowledge it so you could get back onto the mat or whatever. And that, you know, just the way it it opens you up to all kinds of abuses and disrespect, like, you know, which is ironic because we're talking about respect in this, (laughs) this episode. So, you know, I just I, it, I don't know. It's just too much, too too much hypocrisy for me.
0: Yeah, and see, I think that's what I know. That's one of the things that Rokas was saying is that it does, mm-hmm. it can lead to that separation between your, you know, between the student and the instructor. And mm-hmm. it for some people, for the wrong person, yeah, it does give them a power trip. Um, you know, especially if you're talking about belts where. Uh, I mean, I've tried never to do that in my in the the any place where I've always studied, uh, especially as I've gotten more experienced. Because um, again, I've I mentioned before that there's a uh, you know where I do kung Nu, There's a, a younger guy in there who's um, he's I, he's like probably about a belt and a half above me right now because I haven't been able to go in a while. But, um, you know, even though he outranks me in that style- even though I'm older than him and I've got more martial arts experience, again, I'm still always gonna show that respect to him because well he's a good he's a good kid, but not only that, he has more experience in that style um but I can see for the wrong people, yeah, they let that respect thing go to their head, and they think that mm-hmm. all of a sudden that everyone should bow before them because you know, I've got a different colored, I've got a better colored belt around my waist than you do. Right.
1: And I've seen it and I've experienced it. So
0: can you give any examples of the times you've experienced that? I mean, I know you just mentioned that one story, but were there any others?
1: No, it was was little things because there was never anything major. It was always little, uh,
0: little annoyances,
1: microaggressions, Mm -hmm. (laughs) microaggressions that, that, that would happen like that,
0: you know, and it's okay.
1: I can overlook it the first two or three times when it happens 10 or 12 times and, you know, starts to grate on you and they're like, you know what, I'm paying for this (laughs) and, you know, it doesn't work.
0: Yeah, and I I think another problem where sometimes the whole hierarchy in martial arts can get to people's heads is, I'm going to bring up the second guy that I trained Kung Fu with. Okay, that's bad sentence structure. You know what I mean? The second guy that I studied Kung Fu under
1: Um, Yeah, the D-bag that stood you up.
0: Yes, because, and again, I mentioned this, I know I mentioned this before, but his class tended to be very clicky, where in addition to him, sometimes his wife showed up, and then there were four other people that usually showed up, and those four other people were all friends of his outside of class, so it's like anyone else who wasn't within that circle which most of the time was just me, was always kind of treated like the outsider. And this is what I think. I mean, I think respect is a two-way street. Well, yes, I think it's important that you have to respect your instructor. The instructor has to return that respect to the students. Because one of the problems exactly. that I, yeah, one of the problems I had with the the second guy is I was actually had more experience than his assistant instructor. And despite that, he never would teach me any new stuff or work on any of the higher level stuff with me unless he was also going to show it to his assistant. So that's where I think it's like, okay, that attitude's kind of, that's a bad attitude to have, I think, especially when, again, you're aware that you've got someone attending class who, you know, and again, it's not like I was a complete stranger. He trained with Mm -hmm. me under our first instructor. So... I mean I think that was uh you know a bit uncouth on his part
1: right and remind the audience also that he were losing money by these missed sessions
0: yes because he wasn't giving me he wasn't refunding my uh you know money for the sessions he missed and he wasn't allowing me to credit for next month so that's why you know after a couple months I'm like okay this sucks I'm out of here you know peace out um but when I now where I did american freestyle karate there was usually a great deal of respect between the instructor and the students. Um, and again, it was mutual. So I never really had any problems there. And again, with Kung Nu, even though, well, you know, we're always expected to show, you know, that respect to the instructor, my instructors there have always shown great respect back. So i mean, that those really the, that second Kung Fu place in the, was the only one I really had any serious problems with. Now, I know you said you've also done Muay Thai. Uh, was there much of a respect issue with where you studied Muay Thai or? Well, it was pretty
1: informal. It was me and three other guys that would get together and train on Thai pads and focus mitts. So it wasn't like I was going out of real school. But, you know, basically, same since we were doing BJJ, um, a little bit of judo and wrestling and Muay Thai, same rules apply as in the boxing gym. You know, if you either come respectful, otherwise they're going to make you they're going to earn it from you the hard way. Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: So it really wasn't a problem there. Okay. Now, where do you think a lot of this gets started? And I, I have a feeling that we're, we're probably you know, going to be getting into a bit more of cultural issues with this mm-hmm. one, and which is not something that I consider myself an expert in. But um, I mean, I think in the case of Japanese st- styles or places that are heavily inspired by uh, you know Japanese culture, I think part of it is just, well, not just Japan, but I think Asian cultures in general tend to put a greater emphasis on respect for your elders and respect mm-hmm. for people who do have that, uh, you know, that superiority um, over you. And just an example of one of the things that got me thinking about this. Now, have you ever, do you have Netflix at all or? mm mm-hmm. Did you ever watch a Japanese anime called Agresco? No, I haven't. Well, uh, there's a YouTuber I watch, Gaijin Goomba. He does a lot of cultural. He does a lot of shows about cultural and historical relevance in Japanese animation and and video games. And he had Mm -hmm. this one episode where he was talking about Agresco. And uh, essentially, it's a story about a. I mean, all the characters are animals, so there's no actual people, but. There's a, it's about a woman who works in as an accountant in this Japanese company, and uh, it, it, there's a one of the problems that they address. They try to address in the show is they do talk a lot about this power divide between the employer and the supervisor. And Gaijin Goomba, he had a an episode where he was talking about that series, and one of the things that he mentioned that I just found so incredible was and again this is just from that episode so if we have any listeners that know more about um you know Japanese the Japanese language you know please correct me but he was explaining that J- the Japanese language has honorific and humble t- word, s- forms that you use mm-hmm. and so you have to be very careful with how you address people he was mentioning like for example there's um how you would say I'm leaving for the day or is different than how we would do it over here. Like he was right. mentioning in Japan at the end of your work day, you might say, you know um, the way he put it, it's like, forgive me, but I'm going to, I'm leaving early. And then, you know, usually your supervisor would reply with something like, Oh, I understand you must be tired. And again, which over here we would probably see that as a bit condescending But there it's supposed to be recognizing your hard work. And he was saying that part well whenever you're addressing a supervisor, you have to make sure you're using the honorific titles or the honorific form of the language, because if you use the humble language, that's saying that you're asserting superiority or dominance over your supervisor, which could you know, depending on the company, either could get you a stern talking to or even possibly fired. But I just found that so mind boggling how, okay, just how you would say good morning or you know good evening, I'm leaving for the day, takes on a whole new context depending on who you're talking to. Right. And I also remember, I have a, the father of a friend of mine, the company he worked for, they did some business in Japan. And he would mention that whenever they were sending someone over for a business meeting, they always had to be careful with who they sent over uh, because let's say they had a meeting with the vice president of the company, then it was expected that they would have to send over someone who was at that level in the company or really close to it. So again, if you have an important meeting with the vice president of this company you want to do business with and you send some junior executive that's only been working for the company for a couple of years. Well, that might, at best, it might be considered a faux pas. At worst, well, it could cost you a business deal or one of those in-between scenarios. There were times where if the the Japanese company felt they didn't send someone of significant seniority in the company, they would postpone the meeting until, okay, we're sending our vice president, so you better send someone high up in your company as well. Wow. Wow. So that's why I'm just wondering if a lot of this stems from, again, those cultural backgrounds where Mm -hmm. there is that big emphasis on respecting your elders.
1: Right. And I, and I get that. And if you want to, you know, integrate that kind of philosophy into your life and live that way, even if it's just in the time you're in the dojo, that's fine. But not everyone is, you know, cut out that way. And, uh, and, And I can see it if, if it was a Japanese person who, you know, was steeped in that culture, I can see doing that, but you know, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to fall in line for someone, you know, a fellow American who's, you know, fascinated with that culture. And he's going to use that to, you know, gain some power trip and Lord over you or something like that. It's just not going to, you know, cause I've seen that too, which is okay, but do it across the board because for their friends, they'd be one way. And then for me, you know, It's, oh, you must respect me. And I'm like, oh, I must not. And, you know, you
0: leave because, again, (laughs) you're
1: paying
0: for this. Yeah, I mean, martial arts classes can certainly, uh, you know, they can be up there. Um, You know, so, yeah, if you're paying $70, $80 a month or more for martial arts lessons and you have someone treating you there like a little kid, it's like, okay, yeah, that's, uh, that's, I think that's a good way to lose students quickly.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. And as I understand it, an instructor did way more for you. He was more, almost like a family member in some of those cultures. So there was an exchange that was expected. You know, you respected him, and he he respected you and took responsibility for you on some level. Well, that doesn't exist here. Even if you get into a school like that, that really doesn't exist here unless there's some kind of a really deep, special relationship or agreement with said instructor, and that almost never happens. I've almost never heard of that happening in the United States, so it's a different culture and if you want to try to transpose it onto here there's a lot of um modifications you're going to have to make
0: yeah and do you think maybe at least over here in uh in the states that say i think part of, maybe part of the reason we kind of skew away from that attitude is because in our country we've always had you know we've always had that fascination with the self-made man or self-made woman you know that person who you know started from nothing you know, or started with very limited resources, or at a humble job in a company, and managed to work their way up. So, I I wonder if it's almost because we we think that people who can do that kind of stuff in a short time, they're more worthy of respect than maybe someone who took longer to work that way up. So, just random thought. My,
1: right, that's a good thought, but my problem with that is that's assuming that you know not to get into a deep philosophical discussion about this western society but that's assuming everything's a meritocracy which you and I both know it's not mm-hmm. the, that's the only advantage of doing it the traditional way that i see i mean there if it's a meritocracy you, you know you at least you know if i do a b and c this is what's going to happen and i'm going to earn that and achieve that no matter what you know whereas yeah. The only weakness, in my opinion, well, one of the only weaknesses, the biggest one in the Western system is you can do A, B, and C. You still may not get diddly out of it, you know, and that's about the only advantage I see in, in, the, in the two systems. I mean, I don't. if it's a program you don't mind buying, I don't mind towing the line because if I'm guaranteed I'm going to get such and such and such, then I'll do, you know, if I find the reward is great enough. But if not, then it's not worth it.
0: Yeah. See, you know, I, you know, I think when you were talking, uh, you were mentioning before about, um, you know, the whole, I, I think you made just a brief comment about, you know, inside and outside the dojo. It's like, I just thought about that. It's like with my Eskrima instructor, and I was telling how it's okay we do classes during the week, and then, you know, Saturday we'd be playing D&D together. You know, I was the dungeon master, so in that case, it's like, okay, during class, he had that superiority over me, but during our gaming sessions as the game master... I had the superiority over him,
1: so it's mm-hmm. like maybe
0: it's like hmm, maybe I should be nice to al in class because otherwise he's gonna kill my character in the next game session right <laughs> so there you go, people. if you want to get respect from your your gate your uh if you wanna get respect from your instructor, start a d and d group with them, just make sure you're the game master right <laughs> so yeah, it was actually it was cool. I mean we would joke about stuff like that during uh during class every now and then, so. Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't let it affect the actual class, but, right. you know, and and that's one of the things I didn't like about the uh, screamer, because since it was so informal, you know, we would joke during class or engage in, you know, sometimes engage in small talk. And it's like, you know, a lot of times, you know, again, like where I do Kung Nu and my Tang Su si Do uh, instructor was like this as well, where it was more, okay, focus on class, you know, there's... You know, unless you're taking a water break, you know, no sharing sharing stories, telling right. jokes, talking about, you know, the football right. game or the movie that you watched on, you know, over the weekend. So, it, again, it's very more, you know, strict to the point. And I don't, I'm not criticizing that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's right. just sometimes it is kind of fun when you do have a group where it is a bit more informal, where, right. you know, it's not all just, okay, we're going to do... You know, a bunch of kicks. Now we're gonna do a bunch of punches and stretches. Now we're gonna do spar. You know, whatever.
1: Right. Well, in my boxing gym, we had that too. Um I never participated, and sometimes I would get, uh, you know, the stink eye from some of the fellow members because, you know, I was, you know, I was the one who was always constantly on the bags or constantly doing something because when we were there, I took it seriously. I wanted my skills to sharpen up because I, you know, I didn't want to be embarrassed once, once I got into a match. So I didn't participate into a lot of that, but you know, it went on. I mean, but my time there was valuable. And I wanted to get as much out of it as I could. So I didn't, you know, I wasn't there to tell stories or laugh, talk about girls or anything. Like
0: that. Yeah, it's true. So, and I think that we can both agree that, you know, respect is important. There needs to be respect mm-hmm. for the instructor but it's equally important that the instructor respects the students. But what about the whole idea of hierarchy in martial arts? Do you think that antiquated idea that's best left to the dustbin of history, or do you think that there still is a place for a hierarchy in martial arts?
1: Depends on the significance of it, because, you
0: know, you and I have both seen
1: that you can be, like, a fifth-degree black belt, and that doesn't really mean you're a really good fighter, you know? So it depends on, like, what it means. I mean, what does it mean that someone's got that fifth-degree black belt and I'm a student there? Uh, you know, how much respect do I have to pay for pay them? You know, I mean, if they're showing me a technique or, you know, and they're trying to tell me that they've done this and this and this, when I know from watching them spar that they can't do anything, you know, and yet I've seen – you know, you can ask someone with less experience, but you can tell they're ripping it up and sparring, or, or that they're, they're winning tournaments. You can go ask them for some, you know, some advice. You know, what does it mean? Why should I just ask this guy because he's such a high rank when I know that he can't give me the kind of information that I want? Yeah,
0: and I mean, again, I, I'm one of those people. I can see both sides of the argument. Um, mm-hmm. I guess it doesn't really bother me as long as you know that person in the higher position isn't one of those people that's going to constantly lord it over you. Right. Um, Like, and, you know, again, like I was mentioning that example that uh, Rokas from Martial Arts Journey gave where he mentioned that there were some other Aikido instructors that were saying that, oh, you know, you're their instructor. You know, you should, you know, you shouldn't be socializing with them outside of class. And, you know, because that might make them think that you're equal to them and, you know, you're supposed to, maintain this aloofness so right. that i disagree with i mean i think there's right. definitely a place for it in the dojo right. um but yeah i mean outside the dojo doesn't really matter no i don't really yeah. think it matters as much when you're outside the dojo right now don't and if get it me
1: does, wrong. you shouldn't be hanging out with your students you know?
0: yeah and now don't get me wrong if i happen to you know if i'm just walking down the street and I happen or I'm at the store and I happen to run into my kung new instructor there, you know, okay. Yeah. I'm not going to bow and call her sensei uh, or anything like that, but you know, I'm certainly, she's still my instructor. So I'm still going to be, you know, show her some respect, even outside the dojo, just not going to be, you know, I'm just not going to be for, you know, (laughs) just not going to be as formal about it because it would probably look kind of weird bowing to someone like that in the middle of the grocery store. Right. Um, and she'd probably feel a little uncomfortable with it, too. <laughs> right. Well, with that said, then, uh, we'd like to thank you all for listening to us. And uh, hopefully we've you know made you think a little bit about this whole role of respect and hierarchy in the martial arts. Is it overplayed? Does it still have a place? And when is it appropriate and when maybe it's not appropriate? So with that said, I'd like to thank you all for listening and keep those kicks above the belt and below the face because in general kicking people below the belt is considered disrespectful especially during <laughs> class <laughs> yes i am sure we i'm sure a lot of us i'm sure both of us and a lot of the listeners who've actually sparred probably know what it's like to take a nut shot and it's they're yeah. not fun right talk to you later everyone check out the guys over at eclectic media project they bring you podcasts such as Musically Challenged. Whose podcast is it anyway? Want to hear something interesting? And their newest podcast, Page Three Point One Four News. Check them out on Podbean and iTunes at Eclectic Media Project. On their website at www.eclecticmediaproject.com. Check them out as they are the home for a little something for almost everyone.